traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. All right, it's Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. With Bob Payne, Steve Moore will be on with us momentarily. And Bob, it was a crazy week on Wall Street this week. We've had an all-out asset melt-up. We're seeing interest rates go up. We're seeing oil prices go through the roof. Bob, I don't know about this transitory inflation, but man, oh man, inflation looks more real than ever. Well, inflation's real, Rye, but uh, you got to make certain that you have an inflation hedge in your portfolio. And it turns out, uh, as inflation goes up, Interest rates try to sniff that out, and interest rates are rising. We saw the 10-year Treasury get close to 1.7% this week. And what's crazy about that is that's a 50% move over the course of the last month or so. I mean, that is a huge move in interest rates. And if you own bond funds right now, Bob, you know, we talk about bond funds every week. Um, you know, that is, that's really, really bad for some of the parts of your portfolio that are not necessarily uh, conducive for what we would call inflation. Yeah, we call that an unforced error, Rye, when you uh, take an investment like a fixed income investment, right? Something where it's pretty self-explanatory. You want something with a fixed income, fixed coupon. You know exactly what interest you're going to get. You want to know who's issuing it. You want to know when you get your money back. You know, simple concept. And then you take it to put in a bond fund and you mess it all up because now you're taking fixed income and you're making it into an equity-like risk. And every bond fund I look at was down on the week. Yes, it was down in the week. And, you know, if you look at every other asset class, for the most part, we're up, right? And one thing, you know, you and I have talked about a lot is really coming into the fall here. You know, every strategist on Wall Street, every professional, quote unquote, on Wall Street was saying, look, we're going to get a correction in the stock market. We're going to see a good sell off some point here because supply chains are a mess around the world. Growth is slowing. Um, We're having infighting on Capitol Hill. Taxes are going up and they're going to print more money. And it just sounded like, Man, oh, man, it was really, really dire, but we've had the exact opposite happen. We're literally seeing melt-ups in every single asset class out there from energy, growth stocks, value stocks, and, of course, cryptocurrencies. You know, Bitcoin now is up close to an all-time record high. It just seems like money's flowing everywhere. Well, that's the thing, Ryan. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was doing this before you were born. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I've been at it now for 46 years, and what drives me crazy is every major wirehouse, every bank, every big institution has to have these expert, you know, asset allocators who tell you when the market's going to go up and when it's going to go down. Now, they all felt that we had seasonality, right? September, October, oh, the market's going to go down. So they're all calling for a 5, 10, 15% correction. Now, you know about the Dow, you know about the S&P, but do you know of the Russell 3000 index? Do you know, guess how many companies are represented in the Russell 3000? I'm going to take a wild guess. 3000 companies. Yeah, 
3,000 companies, 98% of the U.S. stock markets represented by the Russell 3000 Index. Now, since these specialists, these strategists, these market geniuses who somehow know more than you know, have been telling us the market's going to go down, well, the Russell 3000 just went up close to 4.5% over the last four weeks. Wow. Now, that's, that's remarkable. what do you have to have, a 20% correction for these guys to be right now? <laughs> well, Steve Moore just joined us. Yes. And Steve, I don't know. You know, this inflation, it looks a little more real uh, than the Fed was telling us a couple months ago. And with interest rates up, oil prices up, what are you seeing right now on Capitol Hill? Hey, guys, good to be with you. Um, Yeah, I love your guys' assessment of, I mean, I think the thing that I find really um, just remarkable about what's happening with this economy, and I'd love your guys' reaction, is that you've got you know, a stock market that has just been surging, surging um, over the last, uh, you know, almost two years. And then you look at the real economy, though, and you see you'll see substantial problems. I mean, you see an energy crisis, you see a supply chain crisis, you see a border crisis, you see a crime crisis, you see uh, the growth rate of the GDP is now estimated uh, for the third quarter to be less than 1%. That's pretty pretty bad. Um, and it slows a dramatic slowing in growth. So why is that? Why is it that even as the economy stumbles, and I do think you're going to see $5 a gallon gasoline soon around the country, and you're going to see another 10% rise in grocery prices, as our friend John Katsimides, uh wrote, um, a few days ago, and he's an expert on groceries. He runs more. He owns more grocery stores than anybody practically in America. Um, that, why is it that this people are buying up stocks at record paces, even as we have these economic problems? Well, first of all, Steve, you know, all, Steve, ultimately, you know, the best hedge against inflation is the stock market, because you have companies, great companies in America, for, for example, who can increase. You know, the prices, they can pass those price increases along. They can increase their profits or profit margins or all-time record highs right now, and they can increase their dividend. So you have, ultimately, you know, the hedge against inflation in equities. But on near term, that's a gigantic headwind, and it could slow the economy down. It could stop this economy if this doesn't continue. But the other thing that's happening is that the governments around the world, all the central money center center banks, have created this tremendous liquidity you know, to fight the COVID pandemic. And that money's kind of trapped in the market, you know, because the banks can't lend it out. There's just not enough demand for the banks to lend all that money out. So it's kind of trapped into capital markets. And that's what you're seeing. Every dip, no matter what it is, whether it's cryptocurrency or tech stocks or just the broad market, every dip is being bought because it's kind of that, uh, that old acronym, TINA. There is no alternative. Well, I think that's right, except, you know, it is true, for the short term that, you know, inflation raises, um, you know, raises profits. But remember, the profits, you're interested as an investor in your after inflation profits, not your before inflation profits. And so if you look at like the the last big, big bout of significant inflation in this country, which was from the early 1970s through about uh, 1980, 81, you know, stocks, in real terms, even after adjusting for, you know, I mean, adjusting for inflation, stocks lost 50% of their value over that period. So in the medium, longer term, you know, inflation kills stocks um, in terms of their real value. And so 
We'll see. I mean, I, I'm just stunned by this. I, it seems to me, and you guys are the experts, that that bond rates are just going to have to rise. They have to. How can how can the interest rates continue to be so low when you've got inflation running at five, six, seven percent? Yeah, and we agree with that. I think I think bond prices, you know, obviously took a hit in the last week. We talked about we've seen a fifty percent move in interest rates over the course of the last month or so, which is a huge move. Um, and you know that's something to keep an eye on. It's again one of the things why we don't like bond funds. We really don't like bond funds. Um, but you know, on the other side of the coin here, you know, to Bob's point, is you know you have to think about getting a return on your money right now. And we told you this on the show, Steve, two weeks ago. The world was negative, and we said you know ignore the noise right here. You know markets are going to go higher, and I think that's what it comes down to. Because if you have inflation now four or five percent, think about that. If you're sitting in cash right now, you're getting a negative return of 4 to 5% on your money. I mean, that, that's a real loss of purchasing power. So it's almost like it's paramount that you, know, you have to find a return on your money some way, somehow. And you know, sitting in cash right now is not the way to do it. And I agree with you, bond funds are going to be a dangerous place to be because rates go up, bond prices go down. And if you don't own those bonds, like you would in a bond fund, you know, that has tremendous risk. And a lot of investors think they're in a safe investment when they own something like a bond fund. What about? You know, that's what, what makes what about, investing so hard, Steve. You know, it's so counterintuitive, right? Because you look at the headlines. The headlines are brutal, right? Rising inflation, COVID cases, you know, what's happening with the supply chain. Look at all these tanker ships that are, you know, sitting out on our coastlines. You know, so we're bombarded with all this negative news. And, you know, here's the thing. There is no human being who can predict what's unpredictable. And no, it's unknowable. Now, it never stops anybody on Wall Street from pretending they can do that, right? You know, Wall Street's full of ordinary people who pretend they can do extraordinary things. But there is one all-knowing entity, and it is the stock market. And the stock market, and that's why it's so frustrating, it looks out. Now, maybe what the market's telling us right now is maybe all this stuff they're trying to shove down our throat in Washington isn't going to get passed. Or maybe we're going to see that big change in the next election where we're going to see a big shift in the other direction. And not a, a lot of these problems are going to be fixed. Um, you know, so that's the, what the market does. It looks out, you know, three months to two years. And that's why it's so counterintuitive. It's so hard to be an investor. I feel sorry for people who try to do this it's on their a, own. It's a great point. I mean, it's a really great point. By the way, you're listening to more money. I'm Stephen Moore economists with freedom works and and uh, we have uh, what i call them citizens pain <laughs> uh, two of the best investment uh guys in the united states so please listen attentive attentively to uh to their advice by the way what's the 800 number again uh guys yeah so for every show we offer 10 slots uh if you give us a call at eight eight four four it's uh what is it yeah <laughs> i forget it this morning uh do you remember the number, Bob? It's terrible. I can't yes, remember. Yes, I do, right? It's 844 <laughs> Or you guys, anyone can just call us at 844-PLAN-NYC. Um, what we're able to do is provide for 10 lucky listeners a week a full comprehensive review of their entire portfolio, their entire financial plan. As we found out, Ryan, most people don't even have a plan. They don't even have a strategy. You know, And uh, you know, hoping and dreaming is not a strategy. You need to have strategy based on your goals. That's right. So if so, you give us a call, give us a text at 844-752-6692. I just want to say it because I forgot it. <laughs> so the point, though, about what's going on with the politics, because as an investor, I think you gentlemen are exactly right. You have to pay attention 
to what is going. I know a lot of people just want to ignore what's happening in Washington. It seems like an abstraction. Uh, in, in many cases, it is. But in, in this instance, it isn't. We've got real threats to our free enterprise system going on in Washington with the massive amounts of trillions of dollars of spending that are being proposed, the big, big tax increases, the massive increase in the debt that could happen. But I agree with you guys. I think what's happened in the last few weeks is that many of the worst elements of the <laughs> Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, what I call the Gubzilla bill, a lot of them are coming out. You know, the news this week is that the increase in the capital gains tax rate probably isn't going to happen. The increase in the corporate tax rate probably isn't going to happen. Or if it happens, it's only going to go up a little bit. Uh, and same thing with the individual income tax rates. It looks like those may not go up either. So that is good news for investors. Now, there is talk this morning. Uh, it, it is now over the wires that... Uh, Pelosi and Schumer um, and Biden are now talking about a new wealth tax, which I find very, very <laughs> destructive and disturbing. I don't think we've ever had a, a true wealth tax in this country, uh, which would be imposed on unrealized capital gains. So even if, if you own something and it goes up in value, even if you don't sell it, you'd have to pay a tax on that. I, I think that what do you guys think about that idea? Well, I agree with you, Steve. I think it's insane. Um, and secondly, they never tell us what happens when the asset goes down. You know, take this crazy cryptocurrency that's out there. You know, and uh, two years ago, it dropped 80 percent in value. Now, which one right. do you pay the tax on when it was up 80 percent or do you do you get a tax <laughs> rebate when it drops 80 percent? I mean, it, this thing is unmanageable. It's it's just incomprehensive. Uh, yeah, I I agree. Uh, you know, I think that it's it's going to be a nightmare to try to enforce. But these guys are really hungry for revenues. And they're trying to find any single way they can they can get money. You know, as uh, as Liz, Liz Peak was saying earlier on the Cudlow show, they're lifting the uh, uh, the cushions on the cushion to find quarters in, in, <laughs> in the, in the uh, because they're so desperate for money. But let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You listen to more money. We've got uh, I'm Steve Moore and the Citizens Pain, the best two investment advisors out there, uh, and uh, and we will be right back. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Bob, why don't you start us off and give us your analysis uh, uh, of what is going on with the markets right now? All right. Sounds good, Steve. Uh, this is this week's market update. This week at our Street of Dreams, we had another record setting week with the Dow and the S&P 500 indices hitting all-time record highs. Now, the fun didn't end there. Right? Other lesser-known indices joining the new high club were the Russell Midcap Index and the Russell 3000 Index, which incorporates almost the entire U.S. stock market. Now, they rallied for the majority of the week on the back of one company after another reporting and beating earnings both on the top line and the bottom line. That was, of course, until Friday when social media company Snap snapped the winning streak after missing third quarter estimates and offering very weak current quarter guidance. The shares of Snap tanked by a record 27% on Friday and dragged the NASDAQ composite down. Meanwhile, the majority of the market was hitting new all-time record highs. So nonetheless, when it comes to earnings this, so far this season, Snap's been more the exception than the rule. Now, in addition 
to positive earnings, we continue to get strong economic data. You know, jobless claims hit a pandemic low of 290,000 claims this week and is down significantly over the past couple of months. Market U.S. manufacturing PMI came in at 59.2 for October. Now, it was forecast at 60.3, so it came in slightly below, but it's still well into what we call expansion mode. Remember, any reading above 50 is positive, and at 59.2, well, we're well above that 50 level, so demand is clearly strong right now. Now, the one concern that continues to haunt investors is the rise of inflation. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell on Friday said he expected elevated inflationary pressures spurred by global supply constraints and are likely to last longer than previously expected, likely well into next year. Wow, does that sound different than the message he was given us a couple of weeks ago where he said things were transitory. That doesn't sound anything but transitory to me. So as Chairman Powell continues to preach to the choir, you can sit there and listen and do nothing. Or you could take you know, measures to be certain that your portfolio is hedged for what's clearly rising and, in some cases, unexpected inflation. So the big question of the week, Steve, what we need to ask is what's in your portfolio? That's right. And if you want a free complimentary financial review and you have over $750,000 safe for retirement, we do 10 slots a weekend. We're down to about six. Uh, give us a call or text at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, 844-PLAN-NYC. And you know, Bob, and I think we lost Steve there from when he's going to come back on momentarily. But one of the biggest problems you know, we've addressed for the thousand or so families that we advise at our firm paying capital management, and the question I think a lot of you are asking right now is, when is it quote-unquote safe to finally live off my portfolio or live off the land and really stop working. Well, Ryan, I'm really happy you didn't say, when are you going to retire? Because, you know, <laughs> we baby boomers, we, we get ticked off when you tell us we need to retire. If we're enjoying what we do, we want to keep working. So really the question is, what is your financial independence date? And is that a number, Ryan? Is that an income level or is that a financial level? Well, how do you know when it's safe? Yeah, and I, but I don't like that when you, you think about it from the lines of like, I need to have $2 million, I need to have $5 million, and then I can retire comfortably. Well, maybe you do, or maybe you don't. Um, and it really depends on your situation, because maybe you have a pension, you know, depending on your lifestyle. So I think picking that date is probably like where all financial planning begins, right? It's really getting an idea like, okay, it's in one year, it's in five years, or 10 years, we call that financial red zone, is coming up with a date of when you'd like to be able to be financially independent. Maybe you'll keep working because you want to. And, Bob, I know you love to work, so I know, I know you'll never quit your job at paying capital. But it's nice to know at some point you can walk away when you want to walk away. And I think that's the critical component here is picking that date. And then you can decide how much money you need around that to essentially subsidize you know, what those goals are so you can be financially independent. I can't agree with you more, Rye. I think what happens when you get focused on an amount of money – um, I can't tell you how many of my really good clients who are good friends just in the last couple of years, they say, wow, you know, it's really great. I just looked and I'm up over 4 million. I can't wait till I'm over five. Maybe that's, that's the key. Well, now I'm at five. I want to be at six. Um, good client of mine said the other day on a scale of one to 10, he's a six with 4 million in his portfolio. And he said, <laughs> the sad thing about that rise, no one ever says to him, well, you know, you're really not a six, you're higher. 
No, they say, there's no way in the world you have $4 million. That's what they say to them. But you know, the, the whole thing is you want to be focused on goals, right? You know, do you have enough that generates a positive cash, cash flow, net of inflation, and net of taxation, both of which, you know, we've been talking about for the last couple of months is going up right now. Yeah, and that's the one problem you have to solve for. It's not like, okay, maybe you need $100,000 a year. You need $20,000 a month or whatever that number is to be what we call, quote, unquote, financially independent. Well, the buzzkill here is you're going to need double that over the next 20 years. You know, you're going to be more like 40000 a month just to do the same thing. And I think where income planning fails and when you're starting to look at, okay, how am I going to live off my portfolio? The paycheck is stopped is a lot of your income streams are going to be more stagnant. Uh, like if you have, like for instance, an annuity, right? And you get that fixed income for life. Everybody loves fixed income for life. Sounds great. Well, the problem is it's the same amount of money every year, yet your costs are going higher. And if you don't have what I would call like a rising cash flow plan for retirement, well, that's a big problem because we are living longer, which is great, but you've got to account for so much more money than your parents did when they retired, you know, whatever it was, like 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Yeah, so what I always say you want to be focused on what I call the great goals of life. You know, first of all, you want to generate an income, you know, that you can't outlive, you know, based on your needs. Uh, you want to be able to educate your children and your grandchildren. Uh, you want to be able to give money to charity. Uh, and you want to make sure that you can transfer that wealth, you know, without that government partnership. So, you know, having <laughs> specific goals, you can put a number to it. It makes it a lot easy, a lot easier. Now, for example... You know, you have a new nephew, I have a new grandson, all right? We set up the 529 plan. We know pretty much exactly what it's going to cost to educate that guy over the next 18 years. We have a specific goal. We know how much money we need to save. We know what rate of return we need to achieve. It makes it a lot easier and keeps the emotions out of it because, you know, we're all subject to emotions when it comes to investing. Yeah, I think that's a great point because the question is, like, what's enough? What return do I actually need? And I think right now it gets kind of tricky because you have – you know, a lot of people are making money in things like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, right? We're seeing the market go up big right now. And you're thinking, I need to get a piece of that or get a piece of that action and be invested. Well, you know, the question really is like, what risk do you actually need? How much money do you need at risk? What return do you actually need? Because, you know, along the way, I can promise you, we're going to have huge sell-offs in the market, right? You're going to have those big proverbial corrections. And you've got to position your portfolio where, you know, essentially you can continually pull income from your portfolio. And it's not about getting all the upside in a big up market. It's about protecting yourself from the downside and getting that return you need. But that's about reverse engineering. That's what we don't do is we don't sit down and say, okay, this is what I need to live on. This is what inflation looks like. And then go back and build your portfolio around that. And I think that's where a lot of firms and a lot of financial services firms specifically get it wrong is they love to talk about product. They love talking about what they can buy that's going to go up in value. That's irrelevant to what your goals are. And, you know, that's what the biggest problem is with most of your financial plans. It's not reverse engineered to where you're trying to go. Yeah, at least that all or nothing mentality, right? I hear it almost every day. Oh, I can't put money in the stock market. I missed the move. I can't buy a new home. I always wanted to have a second home, a beach house or a place in Florida. I missed it. I missed the market. You know, it's. It, it leads to that, uh, that idea that you can time these things. You know, what we always say, and that's where planning comes in, is you want to invest in the market you have, not the market you want. Because, you know, I woke up this morning, Ryan, you know what I realized? Time passes and markets operate and neither cares what I think or believe. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And right now it's a perfect example of that. I mean, there's so much out there that's uncertain, right? The world feels more uncertain than ever. But guess what? It always feels un- more uncertain than ever. <laughs> you know, and, and we have a lot going on right now in Capitol Hill. Our tax is going to go higher, right? Uh, are we going to keep printing money? Is that going to cause more inflation? But you, know, you can solve and you can be proactive about all these issues. And I find the more proactive you are and get your game plan in place, you know, get a really granular view of like what you're going to need every month, where that income is going to come from, what inflation adjustments do you have in your portfolio if inflation goes up, what tax strategies can you implement right now? I mean, there's plenty of things you can do from a tax perspective, whether it's Roth conversions, converting money while taxes are lower, so it's tax-free for life, right? These are all proactive strategies. If you get on top of these things, it takes so much stress out of the retirement planning process because it's daunting to think you're going to go from working, having a paycheck to now living off your portfolio, and especially in a world that's never certain. That's a very scary place to be. But by running those numbers, it takes so much of the stress out of it, Bob. And that's one thing we've seen over and over in our you know, collective now you know, 55 years doing this. Well, that's what I love, Rye, because now you have these tools where you can update it in real time, anytime you want to see where you are. So you know where you are, you know where you're going, sort of like a financial GPS. And, you know, every single one of us will go out and see our doctor every year and have a physical, you know, to make sure that we're going to be able to make it through the next year. But how many of you fail to have a financial physical because it's just too much work to put it all together? And that's what's great about, you know, technology now. We have it all together all the time. And you can run those what-if scenarios. You know, what if you want to buy a second home? What if inflation is transitory and goes up a lot higher? What if they pass some of these crazy tax laws down in D.C.? What do I need to do different? And it makes it so much more simple if you have a plan. And you know what, Ry? We look at at least 50 new prospective portfolios a month. That's why I'm tired, Bob. I would say 90% of them don't have a plan. No, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, this is something I want to do. I want to get on top of my finances, figure out, okay, I realize the world's in tumult right now, and I've got to make some decisions and figure out what I'm doing to get on my path. Well, here's your shot to do it. We've literally got about four slots left. If you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, Bob and I will run our now famous Total Financial Master Plan. We'll do that at no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. There's no other financial service firm out there will do this work up front. We do it all up front. You send us your holdings, we just have a secure email server, and we'll do all the planning. We'll do a full income plan. We'll get exactly what you need to spend. We'll factor in inflation. We'll show you how to draw Social Security. There's plenty of ways to take Social Security. We'll figure out the right one for you and put together that income plan so you don't run out of money over the rest of your life. We're going to look at diversification. What hidden risks do you have in your portfolio? If we get a big sell-off in the market tomorrow, market crash, are you protected? Or have you been sitting with way too much money in cash, earning nothing, Trying to figure out what to do, paralysis by analysis, we'll put together a full diversified game plan for investing your portfolio to grow it, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we'll look at fees and taxes. All these investment portfolios are laid in in high fees. We'll show you where all the hidden costs are in your portfolio, how to reduce them, and get ready for higher taxes. We'll put together a full tax strategy, show you how to optimize taxes so there's more money in your pocket. Again, we have about four slots left. Give us a call or text at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. That's 844-PLAN-NYC, 844-PLAN-NYC. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hi, folks. Steve Moore here. Thanks again for listening to More Money. We are on every 
Saturday afternoon at, from 1 to 2 p.m. and a rebroadcast at four, between 4 and 5 p.m. on Sunday. So thanks so much for uh, spending some of your beautiful Saturday afternoon and Sunday with us. Uh, look, I am very concerned right now about what is going on with this president. You all uh, may have seen some or seen some excerpts of his uh, performance on CNN the other night at a, a town hall meeting. It was um, it was highly disconcerting and uh, troubling that the president seemed to stumble on even some of the easiest questions. Uh, and so that's that's reason for concern. If you can't care about our country, we need a, country, a, a president who is in full um, control of his faculties. But the good news is that the Biden economic agenda looks to be crumbling, which is good because everything he wants to do on the economy, all the massive increase in spending, all the increase in the uh, debt and all the increase in taxes and regulations and the take the government takeover of the childcare industry and, and the insane Green New Deal policies are all really, really bad for the economy. So I want to get right into it. I have two guests and I think they're both with us right now. We had a few technical problems, but I think we've got them. Uh, Peter Roth, are you with us, Peter? I'm here. Yeah, Peter. And uh, Phil, do we have Phil Kirpin? Are you with us, Phil? I'm here. Okay. So, guys, uh, I want to start with um, Peter to give us an assessment. Peter Roth, by the way, is a uh, political commentator and columnist with Newsweek. He is also uh, works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity and helping put together our daily hotline. By the way, to get the daily hotline, that is free, folks. All you have to do is go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity uh, website and sign up for it. And Peter is a very instrumental uh, editor to that as well. So, Peter, give us the what you think are the odds right now that Biden and uh, Pelosi and Schumer are going to get this terrible bill through. Do you think it's going to happen? I think the bill that has been sitting out there for a couple of months um, is dead. Uh, I do not think that they have the votes for it. I do not think that um, whatever Senator Manchin decides to do, that Senator Sinema of Arizona will vote for the higher corporate taxes that Biden's insisting on. Does that mean that Schumer, Pelosi, and Biden can't get to a deal on something? No. And and so the danger has not passed. So uh, it, it appears, Phil Kirpin, that – and by the way, Phil Kirpin is the uh, president of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He is also – you see him on Fox News all the time. He's one of the world's experts on COVID as well. But before we get into the current situation with COVID, Phil, I wanted to ask you about – what you think is the fate of these tax increases? We're hearing in the last 24 hours that it looks like these big tax rate increases on American companies and American small businesses, on capital gains, uh, all look to be in great peril, which would be a great thing for us, for the American people and for the stock market. So give us your assessment of where you think things stand with all the taxes that Biden wants. Well, Steve, the latest seems to be uh, that cinema has balked at rate increases, and uh, that kind of, to Peter's point, means that the things that were in the House bill uh, really can't move. However, 
they, they appear to be coalescing around the idea of replacing all of those rate increases with a wealth tax of some kind on uh, supposedly only on billionaires. Uh, but, you know, these taxes always start at the very top. The income tax started the same way. And so I, I'm concerned that they might replace it with something that ultimately might prove even worse. But that's the latest rumor. Yeah, I don't understand how this wealth tax is going to work. I mean, I know that what, they, what they're talking about trying to do it's to tax unrealized capital gains. So if you own stock, let's say, and it triples in value, so maybe you bought a, a bunch of stock at $100,000 and now it's worth $300,000, they, uh, they want to basically tax you on that $200,000 gain. Now they're saying, oh, they're going to only do this for rich people, but we all know anytime they try to raise rich tax on the rich, it, it affects all of us. But is that what they want to do is, is tax the gains on these yeah, they're uh, assets? It, they're calling it. They're calling it mark-to-market taxation of billionaires, and it's exactly what you said. Uh, they want to, on an annual basis, uh, for the richest people in America, have the IRS attempt to determine what the, their change in net worth was from the previous year and tax them on it. Realize they're not. Yeah, I just don't see how that's going to work, number one, technically. i just trying to determine what all, all of the stock and all the – you know, the ownership of all these companies that, that uh, some of these billionaires have. I, don't, I just can't see how they're going to figure that all out. But also, I would, you know, if you're somebody like, uh, you know, uh, Zuckerberg or, you, you know, you just become a Canadian citizen or you, you, you give up your U.S. citizenship to save, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be able to raise a lot of money on these things. Now, the other thing that happened this week, which seems to be a very significant development, given that. We are on the eve of this uh, crazy, um, another one of these climate change summits. By the way, where is the climate change summit? Glasgow. Glasgow. So I was saying earlier on Larry Kudlow's show that it seems to me that the whole climate change agenda is just, is just crumbling. It's crumbling. You, right now, it looks like China and Russia, two of the biggest polluters in the world, are not going to participate. And they're also two of the biggest energy users and producers. So, you know, how can you have a big climate change summit? The whole idea of this was that China and Russia and the big polluters were going to be part of it. Now they're saying they want no part of it. Um, <laughs> it seems like maybe the whole... What worries me the most, is that it's not over the sea because of the all the private jets politicians who are so concerned about climate change that they get on the private claims and don't speak. That's what I'm really worried about. Well, I think that's right. And I think that the other point to make is that uh, when you look at China right now, they just announced this week, we had an article on, in, our, uh, in our hotline this week about how China is going full speed ahead with coal. They want to build uh, more than 100 new coal-burning uh, fire plants, and that's going to be um, a huge increase in carbon emissions. At the same time, we're shutting down our coal plants in America, so I'm just not sure how this is going to work. Meanwhile, the global uh, production of natural gas is falling because the United States is producing less of it because Biden has declared war on fossil fuels, even though natural gas is a clean burning fuel. And one of the ways that the United States has significantly reduced its carbon emissions is by transitioning to natural gas. And yet 
the environmentalists don't like natural gas either. Uh, I have a, I, I'm going to predict to you that I think that this is going to be uh, a fiasco. I think it's going to be an embarrassment in, uh, in, in Glasgow. And I, don't, I just don't think that they're going to be able to come away with any good headlines. But, Bill, what is your sense on this? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Biden had been slated to go personally. He's now canceled that trip. They are sending, I don't know, 10 cabinet members, some enormous number of cabinet members. But, uh, you know, even if they announce some great new uh, wonderful global agreement, if everyone knows that China and Russia will, even if they make commitments, not abide by them in any way, uh, then the whole thing is sort of exposed as a joke. And even in the United States, uh, you know, we, we've got environmentalists pushing in the opposite direction. And so in California, they're about to close down their last nuclear plant. They don't have the ability to replace that with anything carbon-free. They're going to end up using, if not natural gas peaking units, bringing diesel generators back online. So you, just the, the green movement is sort of destroying itself. Um, and I think, you know, we'll see, but I think that Manchin's going to hold the line against most of the green energy provisions in this in this gigantic new spending bill as well. So, I mean, wait, wait, hold on. You, I, I want to make sure I understand you correctly. You think that Pelosi is going to prevail and get these these uh, draconian um, Green New Deal provisions? You think she's going to be able to get these in a final bill? I think that they're not going to get uh, most of what they want because of Mansion. They're going to get the spending yeah. side, the refundable tax credits for renewables. So they're going to get massive increase in subsidies for the most subsidized part of the energy sector, which they favor. Uh, but they're not going to be able to uh, really put the stick to fossil fuels the way they want to. So, you know, what's so interesting is if you look at what's happening right now with respect to the stock of these energy companies, the fossil fuel companies, coal companies are doing really well. The oil and gas companies are doing really well. Um, Putin is is loving life right now. And the irony of of Joe Biden's presidency so far is the industry that he hates the most is the one that is seeing gigantic increases in valuations because what's happened, folks, is as we're cutting the supply of coal and natural gas and oil at the very same time that there's an increase in demand, this is just the law of supply and demand, you are starting to see the price of these things go through the roof. I'm predicting that we're going to see 5 and $6 a gallon gasoline around the country. I know that in places like New York and California, they're already seeing gas prices that high. Coal prices are going up. And it seems as though everything Biden is trying to do on the energy front is simply shift production out of the United States of America. That means less jobs in the U.S. and shifting it to places like Saudi Arabia and Russia and creating the jobs and the wealth there. I don't understand the logic of that, folks. I don't understand the logic of building pipelines from uh, you know, Siberia, Russia, to Germany, but not being able to build pipelines from North Dakota to Houston. We're going to be right back on talking to Peter Roth and Phil Kirpin. When we get back, I want to talk to uh, these gentlemen about the latest on COVID, because this is a huge economic and health and business issue. So we will be right back. You're listening to more money. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to More Money on 77 WABC Talk Radio, the best talk radio station in the United States of America. We reach all the way from Maine down to North Carolina and sometimes even Georgia. So I hope you're having a great weekend. We are on every Saturday at 1 p.m. 
and then on Sundays at 4 p.m. So please, please set your calendar and your watch to uh, listen in every weekend. Uh, it is a privilege to be with you. I want to get right back down to it. There's so much that's happening right now with the economy. But before we get back to our discussion of what's happening on Capitol Hill and what's happening with this tax bill and this uh, big budget bill, I wanted to take uh, a minute to ask my uh, colleague, Phil Kirpin. Um, he is with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He also runs a group called American Commitment. Uh, he's an expert on COVID. So, Phil, is there good news? It seems like there's a lot less talk about COVID now than there was a month ago. Have we turned a corner? Yeah, really good news. The southern wave that was so large in the summer crashed as rapidly as it rose, and the South now has the lowest infection rates in the entire country, which uh, doesn't get quite the same national media coverage as when they had the highest. Uh, but essentially, uh, we're near record lows almost everywhere. There's one sort of stripe up the sort of the Rocky Mountain region uh, from New Mexico up to Montana that has kind of high cases right now, so Colorado. Uh, New Mexico, Wyoming, Montana. But that's basically it. Everywhere else is near record lows. Of course, you know, the big question is, will it rise again in the winter? Uh, I don't think anyone really knows for sure how that's going to go. And so there's a lot of sort of anxiety about that. But at the moment, uh, it's pretty much all good news. So uh, a couple of questions. Um, is it necessary at this point uh, for people to be wearing masks? I was outside this morning at a park with my kids, and I was surprised to see all these little children running around with masks on, uh, even still. Uh, what, what is the best um, health advice in terms of the um, whether we should be wearing masks or not? Well, I'm not a big proponent of masks in general. I think they have at best a very, very minimal effect on trans. They're very disruptive, and so I'm not a fan of masks. I will tell you, Steve, that here in Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, we are four days away from the official lifting of the mask mandate if cases stay on their current trend. So that'll we'll see if that actually changes people's behavior, but it will not, in fact, uh, be mandatory even indoors in Montgomery County in four days. Uh, you know, the, uh, the vast majority of the country now doesn't have mask mandates. Uh, there are a few places that still do. I've not seen anything anywhere in the data showing that there's a difference overall in the course of the virus in places that do and do not mandate masks. I think that you know, if you have a very high-quality mask that is properly fitted and uh, you're very, very careful about always having it on and it's always sealed tight to your face, you probably derive some benefit from that. But the way most people wear them, it's more for show than anything else. So um, I want to ask you both. Uh, I also have Peter Ruff on the line. Peter is uh, the uh, political um, commentator and, and contributor to uh, Newsweek. Uh, Peter, there's been a lot of controversy over these um, vaccine mandates. I'm hearing more and more businesses who are saying we are not going to comply with these mandates. So what do you think is happening with this? I'm, you know, I'm not really sure. It, it, it seems to be organic. You, you've had work stoppages and people walk off um, the lines in 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 both blue collar and and what we might think of as more white collar jobs. Um, I I think that people, frankly, are sick and tired of being told what to do. Right. They're sick and tired of being told what to do, even when it's in their own best interest. I am double right. vaccinated. 
I will get the booster shot. I think that getting the vaccine is a good idea. I don't think that people should be compelled to do so. Yeah. Um, Phil knows more about the science about this than I do, but it seems well, as if you can. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think people are offended by the idea that the government's going to require you to get a mandate uh, to, to, to uh, get a vaccine. I am vaccinated. Uh, and uh, I think people should be vaccinated if they're adults, uh, because I think it's still good for your health. But, Bill, you know, what is the latest on the effectiveness of the vaccine? Because we hear different things now that maybe the effects are wearing off. Uh, should people yeah. get be getting boosters? I know a lot more people are getting the booster shot. Do you, do you think that that a, is an effective uh, way to inoculate yourself from this uh, virus? The, the protection is definitely waning significantly in seniors in particular, and there's Medicare data that shows this pretty clearly, which is why the uh, booster recommendation was issued when it was. Uh, and, you know, it was a little – it was handled poorly, and they sort of trumped the uh, normal FDA officials, and uh, it, was, it was a bad process that didn't inspire much confidence. But based on what we've seen subsequently in the Medicare data, uh, I think that it is a very good idea for seniors to go ahead and get the booster if they have not had the virus. I think if they've had the virus itself, it's much less important because that seems to be a very durable immunity, which we're also seeing in that same Medicare data. But if you are a senior and you have not yet had the virus, I would definitely recommend the booster. Uh, and, you know, the for younger people going kind of down the age chain, it's a little bit more questionable just because we don't have all the data yet. But, you know, you might want to consider it if you're close to you know, the, the line on that as well. And Steve, if I could offer a, a point on the mandate question, uh, we don't have the OSHA rule yet. That is still waiting at OMB. We don't know what it's going to look like in its final form, but we do have the contractor order. And the contractor definition is very broad. It's basically any company that does any business with the federal government. And the contractor order does not have a testing option. There is no alternative. It is take the shot or you're fired. Uh, unless you can qualify for a religious or medical exemption, which they're being very stingy with. Uh, this yeah. is going to be hugely disruptive to national security yeah. as well as to the economy. So I really think that we need to put pressure on the Biden administration to at least add a testing option to that before the effective date, which is December 8th. And that's coming up pretty soon. Yeah. You, you know, you raise a really good point. That's Phil Kirpin uh, with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity and American Commitment that uh, we now have a pretty severe labor shortage in this country. We're seeing it with the supply chain problems. We see people stocking up. I, uh, uh, I have a good friend who went to Walmart the other night, said it was so packed they could barely get in. Everybody's taking every piece of merchandise they can find before the, the, uh, the shelves are empty. And, uh, and so what's making this problem worse, uh, I was on a Southwest flight last weekend, and it was, it was, uh, it was uh, canceled because of the walk-off by a lot of the pilots because of the, ma- the in protest of this vaccine mandate. People feel very strongly about this. But it seems to me, Peter, this is the worst time to be, you know, encouraging people not to go to work. It, 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 well, there's never a good time to encourage people not to go to work. That's the, that's the first thing. And and frankly, if you if you look at the if you look at the Democrat uh, the Democratic platform, what the president is advocating, if you look at the job numbers of, of what's going on, we have two we have two Americas now. We have one America in which you're encouraged to go to work, and we have one America, most of them blue states, where you're encouraged not to go to work, and we will yeah. subsidize the government will subsidize your ability to stay home. 
I don't know really what what that's all about, except that when you take it all together, everything that we've talked about, the ability, you know, the the desire to eat the rich with wealth taxes, the desire to end our mobility as a society by phasing out fossil fuels, and and, and this nonsense about not about about workplace rules that unions are going to enforce. Joe Biden is trying to take us back. If, if not to 1975 to 1935, when the right. Roosevelt administration was slamming all this stuff on the private economy and, and with, the, with the New Deal and prolonging, not ending, as Amity Schles has proven in her brilliant book, The Forgotten Man, prolonging the Great Depression. These policies, these socialist policies, these big government socialist policies don't work. Unless you're trying to wreck free market capitalism. Well, yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, you look at what's happening now with this bill. One of the things that I object most, folks, to this terrible, horrible, horrible bill that I call Govzilla, uh, that has a $4 trillion price tag, is it's a massive expansion of government in our lives. And, and it's going to have a government takeover of the babysitting and childcare, a, a government takeover of kindergarten. A, a government uh, takeover, a, a bigger expanded government presence in our healthcare system. Uh, all of these things, uh, even the New York Times called it cradle to grave government, uh, are moving us in the wrong direction at a time when we want more freedom, more free enterprise. Biden wants less of it. But look, the good news, folks, is that this bill is in great peril. It is in, it, I believe, and I'm running a coalition at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity with uh, about 75 other conservative groups to try to educate Americans about how horrific this bill is in terms of its assault on American small businesses. It's assault on uh, the idea of uh, you know work for welfare, this, uh, the higher tax rates that play into the hands of our enemies, the increase in tax rates that would raise our taxes higher than China and Russia and other even communist countries. So we have to kill this bill. It's something that Larry Kudlow says every night on his TV show. He's exactly right. We don't need the bill. The economy will get better on its own. We're getting healthier, as Phil Kirpin was saying. Uh, and so I really believe right now what we need to do. And I, by the way, I don't like even the sham infrastructure bill. It's just more Green New Deal nonsense. And we should be creating jobs here in America and most importantly, we should be putting America first. We should put our jobs, our businesses before the interests of other countries. That's my message. I'm sticking with it. You've been listening to More Money. I'll be back same time next uh, week. Thanks to my guests. And have a great week weekend, folks. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.